Well, it's time to talk about it. We haven't talked about it yet, but uh, certainly everybody else is, so why not? Let's talk about the coronavirus tonight, Jacob, but we're not going to talk about medical issues. We're going to actually talk about church issues and about how congregations are responding to the coronavirus crisis and the government's instructions to us about social distancing and all of that sort of thing. We've got a couple of really good guests who are going to help us explore that subject tonight. On either side of the issue. Yeah, maybe take a couple of opposing views or at least slightly different views, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of look at them from a biblical point of view. We're going to want you to hear yours as well. We're going to get started on this important discussion right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 3-1-3-8-1-4-5-6-7, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, March 26, 2020. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Great to be with you, Jacob. Glad to be with you. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. Looking forward to being with you tonight. Looking forward to having you join us on the other end of the line. Appreciate you being out there. We want to hear from you tonight. The best way for you to comment tonight is through the chat room. We'll try and be more diligent about that this week than we were last week. Uh, we got a lot of emails, but we do emails. have technical issues going to keep us from taking phone calls tonight. Yep. But uh, email is questions at collegeview.com. Uh, a lot of good discussion last week as we uh, had a good discussion with Chuck Wester from the Lutheran Church in Columbia. If you didn't get a chance to view that uh, that program encourage you to go back in the archives. Not now if you're watching live, of course, but uh, go back and check that one out on the important discussion of baptism. But tonight, it is everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. You can't. Uh, it's, it's, I think it has taken over the spot of discussing the weather. Yeah, nobody talks about the weather the anymore. The weather's old news. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about the coronavirus. Uh, it, unless maybe how the weather, the warmer, warmer weather might affect the coronavirus. Maybe, yeah. But uh, to help us with this discussion, we've got two guests, and the first one is with us right now, our friend and brother Eddie Payton, uh, who is an elder of the church in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, is with us on the line. Eddie, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you for having me tonight, Craig. Uh, Eddie, uh, you were just recently down here with us uh, back in January. You met, you came down and gave us a report on some very Im- uh, important evangelistic work that you've been doing. We were very encouraged by that. We've been knowing you a long time, know your family, know your dad very well. He used to be a member of the church here. And so uh, uh, the reason I called you to ask if you'd participate in this program was we had heard that you all there at uh, the College View Church. By the way, your College View, as we are, it's the College View Church in uh, Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Uh, you had sort of taken the the position that we're going to meet it. We feel like we must meet. We feel like we're commanded to meet, uh, even if the government says we should not meet. Explain, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but sort of explain your position on the the the, the position of the eldership there and the congregation at Elizabethtown. Well, basically, when you look at the New Testament, God says you're supposed to meet on the first day of the week with other brethren to partake the Lord's Supper and to worship Him. Uh, and so consequently, you know, and there's this huge discussion. I've read it on uh, Facebook. My wife shows me articles and, and tells me about things on there, that this isn't a persecution. I could care less if it's a persecution or not. Our government has said that you can't worship God, and it doesn't really matter what reason they give, because I've... I've got to obey what, what God said, uh, and 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 comes down to it, I think he's commanded that we have got to, uh, on the first day of the week. Can you hear me, Greg? Yeah, we we're, cut, we're cutting in and out just a little bit, but we've got you. So, uh, so Eddie, uh, I understand uh, maybe there, you were met with some resistance from the authorities on Sunday when you guys got together to meet? Yes, yes, we were. Um, Sunday morning, the police showed up. And they just stayed for a second, and they said that you're not to worship. And then they left, so we went in and worshiped. Uh, and we gathered again Sunday night, just like we normally do. Uh, and this time they showed up, and they waited until we disbanded. 
and so they were nice about it. I mean, the, the officer said, I don't want to be here, but the governor has stated you cannot worship. And we said, but we have to worship God. And he said, no, the governor has stated you cannot worship, so you're going to have to leave. So we had the police show up twice. Uh, and as you indicated, I was there in January. Uh, I've gone to some communist countries, uh, and I didn't see a difference in the two countries that on Sunday. And, and like I said, I don't really care the reason that they don't want us to worship. God has said we, you are to worship. You're to gather together and worship. Uh-huh. Okay. And so that's what I have to do. So now, what's your plan? What's your plan on going, Eddie? Are you going to, I mean, is you just going to continue uh, normal assemblies, I guess, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, just like, like you typically do? No, uh, we can't do that because uh, who knows what may happen, a fine or in jail, whatever. So you, what you do is, you know, those brethren of the, the one country, the communist country that I go visit on a regular basis, uh, they assemble in secret. So this Sunday we're going to be assembling, but we're going to assemble in secret. So, so, uh, so you we're, you're going to modify it to that extent, but, I mean, you're still going to come together in a group, a typical group size. In other words, you're not going to limit it to 10 or anything like that. No, it's going to be the whole congregation because that's the examples that I see in the New Testament. Okay. I've got a couple questions for you, Eddie, in the chat room tonight. Dennis asked uh, for some clarification uh, he says, as far as I know, the government has not said we couldn't worship, but that we couldn't worship in groups larger than 10. Is that different in Kentucky? That's the same in Kentucky. Okay. We, uh, well, actually, no. No, actually, in Kentucky, uh, on March 19th, the governor signed an order prohibiting all faith-based meetings in any size. Oh, wow. March 19th. Okay. Yes. So uh, if, even if you were 10 or less or less than 10, you would still be in violation of the Kentucky rules. Yes. Okay. But, yes, yes. And it's kind of interesting, but liquor stores can still stay open, so can the abortion clinic. Isn't that but crazy? Now that makes me mad. Neither here I'm, nor there. I'm sorry, about, I'm sorry, but that just makes me mad. Uh, uh, so Kevin asked, uh, how was the attendance this past Sunday? Uh, we had uh, over half of the members. We do have members um, that are scared to assemble, and the elders made an announcement a couple weeks ago that if you choose not to assemble, we will understand. Um, but we have a lot of members that feel this way, that, that you know, the virtual route is not scriptural, uh, and that when the scriptures say they came together to worship, that means they literally came together. So we are coming together for whoever wants to come together to take the Lord's Supper and to worship God. Okay. Hey, Eddie, I got a question from Dwight in Iowa. He says, I feel very strongly that we need to assemble at every opportunity the Lord has blessed us with. But I live in Iowa, and from time to time, our state has closed roads due to hazardous road conditions, which prevents us from traveling on the roads. We abide by these laws for all of our safety question. Have I forsaken the assembly because the roads have temporarily been closed? Why did the roads close? For our safety as well as others. It was not my intention to desert or forsake the coming together with my brothers and sisters. What would you say about, do you see any parallel in that sort of a scenario? I, I, yes, I do, Greg. Uh, and we had, I mean, we had a, a, an elders meeting. And let me tell you, we, we talked for over two hours about this. And there were different views. There's four of us. And there were different views, and we came together with a consensus on it. And, and to me, I'll tell you my view. This is, this is Eddie Payton's view, uh, is that when there is a present and real danger, okay, I think then, then you have a reason to cancel services or not meet. And so what each eldership, and I'm not going to condemn another eldership or condemn any congregation that does meet during this present distress, but what each eldership and the men have to decide is there is there indeed a present and real danger for the members to meet? Uh, and you know, uh, right now in the county where the church is located, there are two cases of this, two total. In Larue County, where I live, there are no cases. Uh, south of Louisville, or south of Bullock County. Uh, there's like two two cases in several counties in the surrounding counties around us. And so the question is, is there a real and present danger? Uh, and I just, I just don't see that here. And I'm not going to force everyone to come like a dictator. Uh, if, if they're afraid, then, you know, they have to take that with God about the fear. 
uh, issue uh, and decide, make that decision for themselves. But uh, I just don't see a real and present danger so, right now. So you, do you envision a time if this outbreak continues where you would say we're going to not meet for the safety of the members? You know, if um, we had during flu season 50% of the members with the flu, I would probably consider canceling Wednesday night, Sunday night services. Okay. Uh, but but right now you have we don't have anybody and no one in our county and two people in our county that have this. So I mean, it'd be like canceling services to me. It'd be like canceling services the week before an ice storm is predicted. In other words, it, it hadn't hit yet. But if it, but you can't. You know, I. I and actually, I see some churches doing that sort of thing. So they put out, a, uh, you know, a forecast that it might snow on Sunday. And before before that forecast is, is even verifies, folks are bailing out. And and I have, I honestly have, Eddie, I have thought before, it looks like they're hoping for a reason not to come together. <laughs> that they're yeah. that they're that they're you know. Uh, uh, jumping on an opportunity. Uh, yes. We got a got an email um, from Dennis. You didn't read Dennis's, did you? I'm Jay? not. Dennis writes in and says, in the scenario of a church continuing to meet, what about individual members of the congregation who believe they should not meet in light of the government mandate? Are are they labeled as sinners? Uh, are are the elders going to talk to them and address them for for forsaking and so forth? And I think you sort well, of, I, you touched on that sort of. I sort of, yeah, I sort of answered that. And and really, what it comes down to, Greg, is that um, we're going to have to all stand before God on the day of judgment. And you're not going to be able to say I did something because somebody else did something. I did this because of somebody else. You're going to have to give an account for what you did. Yeah. And the reasons that you did. Uh, and, and I, I've, I've worshiped in some very difficult places where the secret police have been chasing me, where the secret police have actually gone in and, and searched my room where my, or where my daughter was actually interrogated and called a spy by the secret police. They said they didn't want us there teaching. Uh, and, and when Jesus talks about the fact that we gotta love him more than we do our own lives or more than we do our, 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 our spouses or our children that's exactly what he means we got to love him more and this is the first time this has ever happened in this country christians all over the world have had to deal with this where they've had to make a decision do i worship or do i not worship because of fear and a lot of christians in this country i just wonder you know what you're going to what we're going to say on the day of judgment if we choose to to not assemble because we are afraid of getting something that may cause our death. So those Christians in that communist country that I visit on a regular basis, they could be, uh, they could be followed by the secret police, and some of them are. Uh, does that mean because the secret police uh, uh, would arrest them and, and throw them in jail or do other things that they do not come together as a group? No, they come together as a group still. Yeah, because uh, that's it. They have to make, and we have to make in this situation. Yeah, I, and I've been in some of those same places you have, Eddie, and and the and the faith and the devotion of those people who meet under government threat is is just uh, it's all inspiring. They're great. They're great and faithful brothers and, and sisters, and and I've been encouraged by them as you have, uh, uh, Jacob. Yeah, Eddie, uh, Jared is down in uh, down in southern Georgia tonight. And he says, I'm personally torn about this question, not because the government says not to assemble. I think we should do everything we can to comply with the government as much as we can because the passage is like Romans 13. But I do not. Um, but not if they are telling us to violate God's commands, Acts 4, verse 19. Amen. But, Amen. But my question is, how do we balance loving God and loving our neighbors? If we love God, we keep his commandments. But love works no harm to his neighbor. Uh, and so um, and he asked he he wants to ask you, he he says, the verses like Matthew 12, 11, and 12, Matthew, or Luke 13, verse 15, and, and Luke 14, verse 5, teach that there are exceptions to rules in emergency situations. This is Jesus saying, you know, if you had a sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath day, you'd pull them out. Uh, would that teach that there would be some exceptions to this command to assemble uh, so that we can balance this idea of loving God and loving our neighbor? You know, over the past couple of weeks, I've heard 
um, this argument that this is not a love your God as your uh, with all your mind and all your heart and all your soul issue. This is solely a love your neighbor as yourself situation. But I can't separate the two. I have to keep those two together. Because if I just make it, if I can separate those two and I love my neighbor as myself without taking into account the first part, I ask the question to myself, how come I can't justify taking money out of the Lord's treasury for soup kitchens, for food pantries, or supporting orphans from the Lord's treasury? You see, because we love our neighbors as God commands, and the way we learn what God wants and how we love our neighbors is through the New Testament commands, examples, and necessary emphasis. And so you're and saying, so, you're saying, what you're saying effectively is that those two, those two commands cannot be put in opposition to one another. That, it's, that is correct. That you you do both, you you have to do both simultaneously. It's not either or. That's exactly right. Now, Eddie, let, let so, me. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead, Jerry. Well, I, we got a, an email from Mohan, who's up in Chicago, and uh, he is t- drawing out. Uh, he says, my view is if the state issues a lockdown to prevent a, a, a virus from spreading, we should use alternative alternative means to have church like online streaming and fellowship can be done online and by phone. I want to ask you about that in a minute. He says... In the Old Testament, lepers were quarantined from others for a time. Leviticus 32. Yes, Leviticus 32. Yeah. And he says, he goes on to say, our situation is different. If the government persecuted Christians and told them they could not meet or preach, et cetera, uh, so he's he's drawing out that he he sees a a difference. And you started out tonight saying you see no difference whatsoever between an illness keeping us from meeting and persecution keeping us from meeting. Now, I know that that's a, a real issue in a lot of people's minds, and I've heard this discussed a lot. But uh, I want to be clear, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you are you pretty solid on that idea that it doesn't matter for what reason that the, the government is telling us you can't meet? Um, if it's just for a health reason, if a safe, a public safety issue, or oppression, persecution, trying to prevent the preaching of the gospel. You, you would throw that all in the same basket, am I right? Yes, I do. Okay. Because God's commands outweigh man's commands. And man's reasoning. I don't really I accept God's reasoning over man's reasoning. Now, Eddie, you mentioned you met twice on Sunday. Um, any justification for altering your uh, your times of assembly? Maybe just going to one service on Sunday? Maybe cutting out the Bible class? Yeah, we had a we had a discussion about that because it's a real and present danger. Uh, you know, uh, we had actually a car over in a parking lot, two 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 parking lots away from us, about two hundred yards from us, that was actually taping us, and they actually called the police uh, both times. And so, consequently, you know, there is a real and present danger. God commands one worship on the first day of the week. We assemble one time. Uh, back in the 1940s, we started in this country twice. You go out of this country, and, and most of the other world only uh, meets one time. So, I, I you know, it, it's a real and present danger for us. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think Sunday night and Wednesday night, those have been expedient judgments that we have made. Yeah. We think they're good. We think they're really good, but but they are still our judgment the the yeah. the, the one commanded assembly is the is the meeting on the first day of the week to uh, to observe the lord's supper and the all five acts of worship including giving but i uh, specifically and that, that that leads me to this other part of Mohan's comment uh, eddie he, he what about uh, just having a virtual worship service uh, everybody stays home everybody gets on the internet they they look at the live stream and maybe one or two guys uh, conduct the worship uh, over the internet and when they when they give the cue everybody at home has their fruit of the vine and and their and their bread and they partake of the lord's supper on cue from the online stream. What are you thinking about that? Well, if i got like five minutes, I can tell you what I think about that, right? <laughs> You've got it. you got it. Go for it. Okay. When I so, was, this, uh, is a, this is an important issue. A lot of people are struggling with this issue as well. Uh, so tell us what yeah. you believe the Bible teaches on this issue. Uh, 
I will. When I was a, a young man, I'm, you know, in my mid-50s now, I worked with a church up in Ohio for one summer, and I studied, he was an elder, and I studied with him since past. And he used to tell me, when you study the Word of God, you must become a student of words. And, and ever since then, that's exactly what I've become. And when you look at this issue in the uh, New Testament, I see, I see two words, actually one's a word and one's a phrase, that comes up over and over again uh, concerning the way the, the first century worship. That is, the word together and in one place. And if I could, I'm just going to read a few passages. Acts chapter 20, which we're all familiar with, verses 6, uh, 7, and 8. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days where we vote seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to call on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Now, what was the coming together? Where was that at? Well, verse 8 indicates that for us. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. This was a physical gathering. It was not a virtual gathering. It was a physical gathering. That's what we see in this uh, place. They gathered physically. 1 Corinthians 11, another passage which is very familiar to many of us. If you, I'm not going to take the time to read verses 17 through verse 34, but I will read a few verses. Notice verse 17 here. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together for the better, but for the worse. Verse 18. For first of all, when you come together in the church, what we see in those two verses is a physical coming together. And in verse 20, when you come together, therefore, into one place. So Paul even specifies that it's one area. Yeah. Now, it can be, it can be a room. The, I believe the church in Jerusalem probably met up around the, uh, the temple area. It could be in an open field. But the church is coming together. And it's interesting to note in this passage that Paul differentiates. He says, I'm not talking about you staying in your homes. When you leave where you're at, you go to your homes. Uh, in verse 22, what? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in that are spies you, the church of God? Again, Paul you know, is indicating that the brethren have come together into one place, physically together to worship. Yeah. Uh, and in verses 34, 33 and 34, we're my, my brethren, when you come together to eat, carry for one another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. Uh, two passages. First century church came together physically. First Corinthians 14, you see something very similar. The problem Paul's correcting. We all are familiar with this passage. But in verse 23, Paul says to them, if therefore the whole church be come together into one place. Again, it's a physical gathering. Verse 20, uh, 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 verse 28, again, no, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine? Again, the emphasis, I'm not going to take time to talk about what these passages are about. I only got about but, there's a, but, but as you've pointed out clearly, there's a lot of that expression, come together, and even uh, expanded in a couple of places there, come together in one place. And, uh, yes. and I, I, I got to say, I, I mean, I, I'm, we're going to, we're going to hear all sides of this story, I'm sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm completely on board with you about that. If we are not able to assemble, then, I don't think we have authority to take the Lord's Supper apart from the assembly. I think the Lord's Supper and the contribution are things we do in the assembly. The, the contribution yes. uh, uh, would be this, be similar, I think, from 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. Uh, you know, I remember... Need one more thing, right? Yeah. One more thing. I just need one passage. I just ask for one passage from the New Testament that shows that the local body was divided and in their own homes during the first day of the week assembly. Yeah. Just need one. Yeah. You know, years ago when I was a kid, uh, uh, we used to, I remember going with my parents and they would carry the Lord's Supper to somebody who was in the hospital. We wouldn't do anything else. We, they would just uh, partake of the Lord's Supper. And we thought we were doing a good thing. I have since better, thought better of that, that, you know, if you if you are in some way hindered from being at the assembly, be it sickness or whatever it is, if you have a legitimate hindrance from being at the assembly, then you're you're not singing, you're not praying, you're not giving, you're not, you know, and you're not taking the Lord's Supper. But if it's a legitimate 
reason why you were unable to be there, then the Lord understands that. He doesn't expect you to do what you're yes. not able to do. Uh, real yes, quickly, Eddie, before we run out of time, I got a, I got an email from Joshua in Pennsylvania. He says, what if by meeting you facilitate the spread of the coronavirus, which eventually leads to a death or deaths? And then he goes on to ask, would this not be failing to show love for your fellow man? I think you've touched on that a little bit. But I know, I'm sure that you're uh, familiar of the news story uh, about the church in Murray, Kentucky, that met and then there was somebody who was infected with coronavirus there, and and uh, now all the church is in self-quarantine because they were exposed. But the, the reason I'm bringing that up, they have been bombarded, as I know you are aware, uh, by the community for continuing to meet and end up spreading the virus. What about, my question to you is, what about, are, should this be a factor in our decision-making as to how we're viewed by the community. You know, to those brethren, and I have read online preachers that I have respected, Greg, preachers that I have respected condemning the church in Murray for coming together, Christians, New Testament Christians, for coming together on the first day of the week to worship God, condemning them for doing that. Here's my questions to those preachers, and there's some of them that I know that I'm going to have a discussion with when all this is over. My question is, if you were with Paul at Ephesus, would you have told him to shut up? He caused a riot in Ephesus. Everywhere he went, he caused a riot. Would you tell him he was wrong for doing that? Jesus himself tells us we're going to be hated by man. Since when do we change our practices because the people in the world don't like us? This is what Jesus tells us is going to happen. And so what about that idea of, of, of what happens if you come and you get somebody else sick? I, I look at it, and again, this is probably because I've been to that communist country, the same one that you've been to. Do I go to a communist country, and do I tell the brethren, because you could be followed by the secret police, the church should not meet ever in this country, because if one person shows up, and, does, and doesn't realize they're being followed, it will put the whole church in jeopardy. The whole church will be arrested. And there's a church in one of these kind of, in one of, in, in one of the cities where this happened, uh, uh, where I, you and I have been to. And so should we tell them that they should not worship? No. When you, when you follow Christ, there's always a chance you're going to have to give your life to Christ. This goes, this goes, the heart of the matter, Eddie, and I know people are thinking this, so I'm going to say it. The heart of the matter is that, that people are distinguishing between a public safety issue that might keep us from meeting versus a persecution issue. And I really, it, it, with, with all, uh, uh, understanding to people on all sides of this question, I think, from all the discussions I've had, I think everybody is on the same page. If they were persecuting us, I don't think this would we'd even be talking about this. I think if they were if this was a matter of persecution, I, I believe that even folks that you disagree with on on these decisions about the health issue, I think if we were identifying this government action as an act of persecution, I think we'd all be on board. I don't think there'd be any disagreement. We're going to meet in in opposition to the government persecution. Yeah, Eddie. Let me ask you a couple questions along the idea of illness. Uh, Someone's got the flu and stays home so as not to share that with others in the congregation. You got no problem with that, correct? No problem with that. If someone has had no the if someone has had the flu Saturday, the fever broke Saturday night. They stay home on Sunday because they don't know if they're still contagious or not. You'd have no problem with that, right? No problem with that. Could you say this this outbreak gets to such a uh, extent that we feel like we all have potentially been exposed, but nobody knows for sure? Would you say it may be best to not meet that Sunday, or at least everybody stay home, and we could say we're going to meet, but everybody stays home because we're all concerned that we might spread the illness? What would your thoughts be on that? <laughs> You've already, I've already, I think I might have already answered that because I said that we, you know, and I believe this, I, I'm not going to go talk to anybody during this time period that, that missed, uh, you know, it, it, we each have to make that determination. 
but at the same time, as an elder, I'm not going to cancel services because what about those brethren like me that feel like you have to meet on the first day of the week and worship God right. and partake of the Lord's Supper? Right. Am I going to cancel services and have them uh, sin because they are going against their conscience? I can't do that either. Okay. Uh, and so, you know... I think I've already answered that. Go ahead. Yeah, Real quickly, Eddie, you got a got a, a tech or a chat room comment from Angela, who's down in uh, North Florida. If the congregation continues to meet, then those who feel convicted to go get to go. But if the congregation cancels, then those who feel convicted are left on their own. Um, so I think that sort of would probably be uh, the way you feel. In other words, you're not going to tell people don't come. Ricky D in the chat room says no. the same thing. Should we decide not to assemble? What about the conscience of those who want to assemble? What about their conscience? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Jim, who's also in Kentucky tonight, says, uh, remind brethren of passages like Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, these other things will be added to you. He says, dealing with our material and physical cares and concerns when we're going to ignore that or other passages. Uh, he mentions Hebrews 10.25, the command to assemble. Acts 5.28, we ought to obey God rather than men. Acts 20, verse 7, the disciples came together on the first day of the week. Because we have concerns about what may happen if we come together during a time of pandemic, do these passages only relate to the first century Christians, or do they not relate to us today? Are we going to say that... He says, are we going to say that these passages only deal with persecutions brought on by Satan or man and not dealing with medical situations? So I would take it from that, that Jim in Kentucky is is uh, uh, very sympathetic with the position that you've espoused tonight. Eddie, we're out of time. We said we we're going to try to keep it, keep you to 30 minutes. We could, I think you and I and Jacob and probably a ton of other people could talk all night about this. Uh, but, but, but we're going to go, we're going to go to our other guest, Jim Deason, uh, in just a minute, who's going to take a little bit different slant on this. Uh, and, and, and we want to hear that side of the story too. Eddie, you've done a good job representing your point of view. I love you, brother, and I appreciate your conviction. And yes. uh, uh, we really appreciate you being with us on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate you too, brother. Thank you, Eddie. See you. Good night. All right, we're going to get a break. And when we get back, we're going to get Jim on the line with us. Uh, and he will uh, help us uh, with understanding his point of view. And we'll look for taking yours in the chat room as well. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. In a perfect world, we would agree with everyone about everything. Obviously, this is not a perfect world. Therefore, we're not surprised when people from various walks of life disagree on a whole host of subjects. Christians working together in a local church are not exempt from this reality. As God's Word is publicly taught, be it in a Bible class or in a sermon, there's the possibility that you might hear something that doesn't ring true with your understanding of the Scriptures. The question is not, will such disagreements happen? Rather, the question is, how will you react when it does happen? You have several options available, but not all of them are right and proper. For instance, you can just keep disagreements to yourself. But following this course will certainly not resolve the issue. Instead, it's likely to fester like an untreated sore, and sooner or later, usually sooner, it will lead to more serious problems that will be harder to settle. Another reaction to differences is to talk about them, but not directly to the one with whom you have the difference. What we're describing here is the sinful practice of gossip and slander. Yes, unfortunately, there are folks who will lend a willing ear to such words, but the outcome is that the problem is not fixed. In fact, it has been multiplied by additional evil deeds. The right and logically best approach is to openly discuss your concerns with the one who made the comments in question. When this is done, we often find that the potential conflict was only a misunderstanding. People, including Bible class teachers and preachers, often do a rather poor job of expressing themselves and leave wrong impressions. On the other hand, listeners can also fail to hear things exactly as they were stated. Simple misunderstandings can be quickly resolved if we go directly to the other person involved. In areas where true and legitimate disagreements persist, we must all be devoted to seeking unity through additional and careful study of his word. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. 
And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about the coronavirus and the congregation's response to that. Appreciate Eddie Payton from Kentucky joining us. And we've got another guest on the line. Yeah, now. now we're going south to Alabama. And our good friend and brother Jim Deason is uh, with us from Coleman, Alabama. Jim's the preacher for the South Coleman Church there. He's also one of the elders of that congregation. Jim, thanks for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study. Oh, you're welcome, Greg. Good to see you and Jacob, and appreciate the work that y'all are doing. Uh, I and especially appreciate this discussion because uh, this is a very timely topic. It's hot on everybody's mind. It really is. A lot is. of people I mean, struggling with it. I mean, whatever side, whatever side of the uh, equation you come down on here, it's a difficult decision one way or the other. I struggle with it, so I've got to give everybody else that right as well. Yes, and, you know, one of the reasons somebody asked us, uh, you know, are you going to have Eddie and Jim on? Are they going to give point and counterpoint? We said, no, actually, we're going to talk to them separately because we don't want this to look like an adversarial debate. We're just, everybody's expressing points of view and trying to, uh, we're really trying to find our way here. This is like, uh, I'm an old man, Jim. This is This is not like anything I've ever known in my lifetime. I've never known anything like this, uh, and it, it's just the kind of thing that has gotten everyone torn up. So, Jim, uh, tell us about the decision you made down there in Coleman. Okay. Uh, we sent out a letter uh, to our people before that. We had The week before this last Sunday, we had, had met for one hour on Sunday, did not meet Sunday night, did not meet the following Wednesday night, and then we canceled our services outright altogether this past Sunday until we could come up with some kind of alternative. Uh, first of all, can I say that I really appreciate what uh, Brother uh, Payton said and the passion with which he said it? In fact, I will go so far as to say uh, that most everything he said, I pretty much agree with. I mean, I, I there's so much that he said that I, I agreed with. I, I do believe that there's kind of a false equivalency that he uh, put out that, that I disagree with, but maybe we'll have time at a later time to just sit down and talk about these things together. But what we did was send out this letter, and we told other people that we were going to treat this just like a snowstorm, that uh, even in, in the South, there have been times when we have uh, had snowstorms that were of such proportions that uh, we couldn't assemble. That was half and an inch so, in Alabama. That stretched you guys down pretty hard. <laughs> I realize it. We've had had that situation one time in 14 years, okay? Yeah. One time in 14 years. I I don't know how my brethren up north do it, but maybe they're better equipped to do it. I think they are. And and I did make the point that this was not a matter of government persecution. Uh, Now, I realize that some some don't think it matters. Well, I, I, I do think it matters because, well, let's just think about persecution for a second. If, um... If we were talking about a situation where we're being persecuted for our conscience sake of assembling, I will tell you, we would not be assembling in situations like we have here at South Coleman with everybody gathering in a public parking lot right on the main street with, uh, you know, 140 people. If we were persecuted, uh, our numbers would be a lot smaller. We'd meet in secluded places. Uh, local churches as we know it here in the new uh, in uh, in America would probably not exist. In in fact, I think when you talk about the places that our brother has gone and that you have gone, Greg, uh, most of those churches are small and they can accommodate to smaller groups. So that's a little bit different a different thing. It's kind of a, a a false equivalency there because this is a real and present danger with regard to disease. I I believe. And all you have to do is just look to New York. You see, New York is at the top of that peak. Maybe at the um, they may be decreasing now. There's some evidence that that is the case. But in other places, it's just now rising. For example, the next epicenter, epicenter I heard, is predicted to be New Orleans, Louisiana, and uh, Birmingham. Uh, every big city has more than smaller places like maybe Columbia and even in Coleman, Alabama. Uh, but uh, I think that does make a difference, that we're not talking about persecution. We are talking about the real and present danger of imminent disease. And feeling just a little bit differently also, uh, I, I wrote to our brethren with, uh, we did, Tim and I did, 
and said that we're responsible to protect our, our people spiritually. And we also are responsible to protect our people uh, physically when it's when it is possible. Uh, you mentioned a, a question that was asked, and I can't recall just exactly how it, it was uh, it was asked. It's about accountability for people of fragile health. Suppose someone comes in, uh, maybe similar to the situation in Murray, and here is a man uh, with coronavirus, and you've got several elderly people, and they're experiencing uh, heart issues. They're experiencing uh, maybe they're diabetic. By the way, uh, I have vascular disease. I am a diabetic. I am well over 60 years old. Uh, and while this is not out of fear, because I, I kind of feel like sometimes that I'm invincible, that's the same famous last words, but uh, at the same time, I, I know that there are people that if we said we were going to assemble, there would be people there who didn't need to be there. In fact, I will tell you that Sundays a week ago, when we told people that if you stay away, especially if you have uh, these underlying circumstances, if you stay away, we understand it. In fact, we said we want you to stay home. We were uh, more than just saying you can stay home if you want to. We were saying you need to stay home. A dear friend of mine with pancreatic cancer. Guess where he was Sunday morning? He's right there with us. Now I know if, him. I, He's a good brother. Oh yes. If I chose to assemble with a real and present danger, knowing that it could mean his death, I don't know that my conscience could bear that either. Um, so here's here's we've been tossing this around, Jim, and see what you think about this sort of logical progression i think it's logical tell me if it is or not so how all of us i think probably a hundred percent of us have been in a situation where we've been sick or we didn't we, and i don't know how many times anyway i've probably come to church when i shouldn't have but i know you know you have the thought i don't feel that bad but i don't want to go i don't want to go and give this to somebody else and so you stay home I think we have all done that, and it's un- and in fact we want people to do that. If you think you might be passing the the stomach bug around, we want you to stay home. I sure don't want the stomach bug, and so we have all done that on an individual basis. We've made a decision. I don't want to go for a health reason. I don't want to go because it might endanger the health of someone else. This I think is the same thing, only. It's not different except to to the degree. It's a bigger scale. A bigger scale. And, of course, the government's encouraging us to make that decision, too. But, you know, if it's okay for me to say, I'm not going to go because I don't don't want to risk the health of others, why can't we make that decision collectively and say that that would be a decision we would make? On the on the other side of that, there are folks who are dealing with cancer, maybe having a bone marrow transplant where they their white blood cells nothing gone. gone. They and it's the middle of cold and flu season. They stay home because it's hazardous to their health to go. We'd say no problem. You stay at home. You you don't you don't need to you don't need to do that. So what would be the difference of Elderly folks in this outbreak saying, you know what, the danger is there. I could pick this up, and so I'm going to stay home. I think we would say that's okay. So, again, maybe it's the bigger scale that causes us. Yeah. The, the is that Does that seem logical, Jim? It does. It, it seems logical to me uh, as, as well. Now, I want to go to something else, and this is something that I had in my notes. You did touch on it earlier, and I had this uh, in my notes as well. I do believe that there are times when we cannot uh, fulfill our same our obligations, two different obligations to the Lord at exactly the same time. For example, uh, you know, we, we talk about uh, staying home for maybe a critically ill child or maybe I'm sick. All right, I've got the responsibility to assemble. I'm, I'm sick or I'm caring for a sick child. These are two responsibilities that we have at the same time. But, we can't fulfill both of them in the same moment. There's a passage, actually, that addresses this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23, by the way. Here, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, 
Leave your offering there before the altar. Go and first be reconciled to your brother. Then come and present your offering. Here was a situation biblically where they were not to present their offering, where they were not to worship. And that's because uh, they had a, a problem with the brother that they needed to get. Uh, that had to be taken care of first. They had to take care of first. Yeah. And all I'm saying by this is is that there's sometimes when we have two responsibilities and we can't fulfill both of them in the same moment. We can't, we can't fulfill both of them simultaneously, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that we're placing one. It, 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 it's not necessarily a reflection, a reflection of total priority. In other words, our. If I stay home from services to care for my sick child, that does not mean that I have compromised putting God first. No, not at all. In other words, God's still first priority in my life, but I I need to take care of this sick child. That's also a responsibility I have, and and so I I haven't moved God out of priority spot number one. I'm just doing something right now that has to be done. As he told me to do, I should provide for my own. First Timothy five verse eight. Uh, so I I, I I I understand I understand what you're saying there, Jim, and I and I would well, I would be in agreement with that. Let me throw a couple. Uh, we got tons of emails here. Yeah, We're probably not going to get to them all. Let me throw one at you from. I think these folks are in Iowa. Uh, this is this is a hard this is a hard take on it. We preach Bible authority, but when times get hard, clearly God's command to meet and worship goes out the window. I'd like to comment on that. First off, I, that that assumes that people are just willy nilly turning their back, you know, canceling services and, and and making decisions that are total disregard for the, the scriptures. I hope that the list that the the person who wrote this is listening tonight. And realizes that people are really struggling with this. Yeah, decision. we've got we've got good, sincere, devoted, committed Christians on both sides of this question. Yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. want. And, and now that and now it gets tough. They're just flushing their Bible. No, that's not the case. That people are really struggling trying to figure out the right path here, and it's yeah. and and it is a difficult decision. Lots of things to consider, and so we got to be careful about passing judgment at, at times like this. I think so too. All right, I think that's, you'd agree. That's him. another thing. That's another thing that I, that I've said. Uh, we've got to be very careful here uh, about uh, passing judgments on one another's consciences because we are struggling. But when someone says something like that, it, it does uh, belie an attitude that I think that is unhealthy. To put this in the same category as Matthew 6.33, just because that uh, the eldership at South Coleman uh, felt it important to cancel our services for the safety of our people does not mean that we do not take Matthew 6.33 very seriously. Uh, I think you know me, Greg. You know, I'm, right. as far as being conservative is concerned, I'm, I'm a little bit right of a till of the hunt. I, <laughs> I, I, and, and, and so we're all struggling, and we're struggling with the sincerest of conscience to be able to come to the right uh, judgment on this matter for the situation that we are in. You know, I wouldn't want uh, Brother Payton to do anything other than to follow his conscience. And the same thing with the College View brethren up there. I, I think I know their preacher. Uh, I, I want them to do what they think is best in their circumstances. And I think he'd say the same thing for us here at South Coast. Right. Jared is in the chat room, and he, he's in, down in uh, Lake Park, Georgia tonight. Uh, he's got a question for you, Jim, and he, in the, one in the chat room as well. He says, if we can meet safely and reasonably safely, are we not obligated to meet? I think everyone sure. involved tonight in the discussion says, yes, we should. Yes, yes. Uh, here, here's some more questions for you, Jim. He says, what about the commands to assemble, partake the Lord's Supper, sing, give of our means, etc.? How do we justify not doing what we are clearly commanded to do? Well, it, my answer to that, again, is uh, he doesn't believe that we are commanded to do that under every circumstances without any restriction. I'm sure he's probably stayed home sick before. I'm sure he stayed home sick. If he can understand that, if he does that, then he can understand my answer to that question. And what about the first century Christian and modern Christians who face persecution? How is our current situation different than if we were being persecuted? Well, it, because in this situation... It is a matter of, of love for our brethren. It is, it is a, it, we are following the principle of love because there is a real and present danger when it comes to uh, their health. It is not a permanent situation. 
if it were, then we would have to try to do things differently. In fact, we are going to do things differently uh, this next week so that we will be able to assemble. But at, at the same time, uh, I, I don't think those things are uh, persecution and and disease are, are equivalent, not being stretched of the imagination. Jim, by the, to- by the way, one other thing about yeah. that, too, even the Old Testament recognized that now. Um, I think we understand that the things written for time were written for our, for our learning. So there is a principle here, and I don't think this passage has been read. Uh, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, uh, the Bible says in verse 45 and 46, As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And, oh, by the way, he could not uh, observe the uh, Sabbath uh, uh, assemblies as identified in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 3. And, and so you can see here again, God was very concerned with the cleanliness of his people, that they be clean. And at times he isolated people because of that. Is is it any different when there is such a real and imminent threat, a present threat, than if we actually have the disease? I like the uh, kind of walking down the path that you did, Jacob, there a, a little bit ago. And I think when we have such a unprecedented, such an unprecedented thing in our country as we have today, uh, I, I think we can put it, put them in the same category. Jim, let let me. I talked to Eddie about this, and I agree with him. Uh, and I want to know where you stand on this idea of virtual observance of the Lord's Supper. Could we do I, that? I am so glad you let me answer that question, yeah. too, because I want to amen everything Brother Payton said about that. Yeah. That you said about that. I agree with you 100%. I would go to exactly the same passages. I would say the same things. I do not believe they're equivalent. Um I, I can't conscientiously believe that brethren are assembled out there in the virtual world. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I, you know, I know what an assembly is. Right. And, and that ain't it. <laughs> I, I know. And I, I've been strong on that from the get-go. And I, I'm glad that we all agree on that. I, however, i got to say, you know, I, I, I know some brethren who are doing that. And I, I would disagree with that application. But I know that some are doing that. Okay, now, real quick. I got an email. I thought I thought these questions were really pertinent to the idea that we might cancel services. And, and we might just have everybody go online. This guy says, if we are okay to have online services and protect our homes individually, then why don't we do that all the time? This would allow shut-ins and seniors to always be present for worship. If this coming together as we are instructed to do, if this is a coming together as we're instructed to do, then why are we spending the Lord's money on buildings, mortgages, and rent? Have we been wasting the Lord's money all this time? If we're to obey the government over God's commands, then why aren't we, why do we send missionaries to countries where it's ill? Wait, wait, that's a different question. Hang on a minute. Uh, the, the the point he says is why if, not do if, it all the time? If it's something is okay to do one time, why not okay to do all the time? I, and, I, if I understand what he's saying, I agree with him completely. I do think we got to be careful here about setting precedents. Uh, I, boy, I especially think that idea of virtual observance of the Lord's Supper is going to cause us some grief down the road if 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 we allow that to happen. Uh, so I'm going to Disney World this weekend, and I'm not going to take the time to assemble with the saints. But I will take the time to watch your live stream, and and when you at, at your queue, I'll have a, a cracker and a, a cup of juice, and I'll, I'll take the Lord's Supper virtually. And I'll tell you, these churches that are doing that now, that's going. I'm I'm really afraid that's going to come back to haunt them later when people use that as license. Uh, can I say something yeah, else about yeah, it? Yeah. I, and and I, I, I agree with that with regard to precedent. But there's something else that really bothers me about uh, not assembling on the Lord's Day. And that is that there are weak people that we're going to be in danger of losing and we might not ever get them back. Uh, because if they get used to staying at home, well, they do half the time anyway sometimes. And, and and if they get to where they are used to that, or if they think they can tune into virtual church and be just as assembled as the rest of us who are gathered, then we're in real trouble. 
Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, we got a question. Dennis asks, in the scenario of a church that does not meet, what about individual members of the congregation who believe they should meet? Should the church make some sort of special considerations for them to assemble? How does the rest of the congregation view them? Are they not respecting the government, thus violating the command? In other words, so last week, Jim, when, when you all decided not to assemble, uh, it's, it's very likely that there was somebody there, a, a member of South Coleman, who, who had sort of a, a qualm of conscience uh, feeling that they should assemble uh, how do you as an elder take that responsibility? I mean, uh, uh, how are you dealing with it? Not very well, <laughs> uh, because th- that is really a tough question as far as I am, uh, am concerned. Uh, I do believe the Lord suffers to be taken in the assembly of the saints and, and not individually at home. Um, I, I am with you with regard to not taking it to people who are in nursing homes and things, things which I've done in the past. And uh, yet in later years, I've realized that was that, that was not the best thing to do. And, and so that but that still is a very difficult question uh, for me. And, and I'm going to leave someone to his own conscience with regard to that. I, don't, I, I'm, I am uh, with a clear conscience tonight with what we did. And so. Uh, I, I pray that uh, I've prayed about it. I pray about it over and over again, and it's a tough decision. And we nothing we take lightly. Hey Jim, I got a question from Iowa. Dwight asks, "What about one congregation separating into smaller groups to fulfill the command of worship?" Now this is this is kind of a this is kind of another a twist, angle. another angle, another twist on this coming together question. So we've got a congregation of let's say forty people. And we're going to split that up into four groups of ten, or just maybe four groups of nine. nine maybe we, got, we got thirty-six. Yeah. We got thirty-six people. We're going to go into four groups. Could we split the congregation into four groups? Stay below the government mandate of ten or less, or less than ten. What about okay, that? Can we do that? Let's let's think about this. Uh, it, it was more so maybe uh, forty or fifty years ago than it is now, but. Years ago, there were congregations that grew and became big and realized that in order to be able to assemble, they'd have two services. Uh, maybe they were going to, they, they were trying to build a building or something of this nature. So yeah. for a time, they had to have two services. I, I, I really don't like that. I, I, I don't know how a divided assembly, uh, to protect the Lord's Supper, uh, can be, can be justified. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I never and, felt and, good about those. You know, early service and late service thing. I never felt good about that. Uh, yes, nor nor do I. And I, I don't believe that a congregation can divide itself up into different groups and and worship as you suggest. I just don't think that's the right thing to do. I find no Bible authority for it. Um, and, and so, again, if and there may very well have been a group of people from the church where I preach that decided to do that on Sunday and uh, this past Sunday. And so if they did that, then, you know, that's their conscience with regard to that. Uh, so I, I, I think there's a point here when we're struggling with such a, a controversial issue and not just controversial, but heart rending issue. Sometimes I think I've got two minds on the thing. I do. I, uh, do. I, I, you know, I, I mean, I can see this coming and going. I can, too. Uh, you know, at the end of Brother Payton's uh, discussion a little bit ago, I thought to myself, why don't we just say amen and then me just shut up and let's just go to the mouth. <laughs> uh, but I did have a different view of this thing, and, and I still do, but but I know we're all trying to grapple. We're, very we're, we're trying to muddle through here. We're trying to find our way. We've never faced anything like this before, and so it's understandable that brethren are coming at it from different directions, and they... but. Again, and I want to re-echo what you said. I mean, let's not. I mean, we gotta we gotta let people have some conscience in the matter. Uh, we gotta be careful about judging motives. I mean, that's the big thing. Because I, I think I think brethren on on all sides of this question are genuine and sincere, and we're we're searching through a very tough circumstance that we've never encountered before. And so let, let's be careful about saying that guy's just you know throwing his Bible out the window. Yeah, throwing his Bible. Yeah. Out. And, and, and I want everybody to think also just briefly about this, the example we leave to the community that you mentioned a few moments ago. I want us to all remember Colossians 4 and verse, verse 5 that says, walk in wisdom toward these, uh, those who are without. 
uh, I, I think that's an important passage for us to think about during times like this. And I do. And, and one of the factors that I think has to come to play is if we don't alter ourselves at all, if we're just going to plow right ahead and do what we've always done in exactly the same way we've always done it, then that church in Murray, Kentucky, has got to stand as an example of how the community might. I mean, there. I think you, you and I talked the other day, and I think you said it right. That church is not going to do much evangelism in Murray, Kentucky, anytime soon. You know, how does the guy, how does the guy driving by and seeing us worshiping as normal say that group loves their neighbor? He that he doesn't take that uh, that conclusion away after draw, driving by and seeing us worshiping as regular, uh, unless we're making some modifications. Yeah, they're hurting this entire community. Yeah, they they, they they don't care about me and my and my eighty year old grandmother. They're going to get this whole community infected. They don't care. And, and while I understand this kind of argument uh, leads to abuses very quickly, we do have to at least keep this in the back of our mind. Yes. All right, Jim, we're out of time, man. Appreciate you uh, for joining well, us. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for letting me come okay. and join you. All right. Love you, brother. Hey, and you mentioned, and be you safe. mentioned praying about this, Jim. We ought to be praying about this for yeah. wisdom to make the right decision. We need to pray for uh, a cure to the, the disease that is so rampant right now. We All, sure right. Do. All right. Love you, brother. Hang in there. Be safe. Be healthy. Yes, sir. You too. Thank right. you, Jim. Bye-bye. Good discussion tonight. Um, I don't. Did we answer any questions? Maybe we I, made more. We I talked about it, and we gave a lot. I think we gave a lot of things to think about. Uh, I got an email from Stacy, who's down in Alabama, uh, and he mentions how they're trying to adjust to have an assembly in a different way, and actually, they're trying to accomplish what we have done here at College View. And I want to mention this real quickly before we, before we leave the air. Uh, and and I think uh, and I think Jim down there in Coleman, I think they're going to try to do this this Sunday too. Last Sunday morning, we had our people come, and we had an assembly in our parking lot. We had everybody stay in their car. We had a low power FM transmitter, and we were able to transmit to their car radios the audio of our service. People rolled their windows down, and we sang. We were with gloves and masks. We distributed the Lord's Supper. We were able to have an assembly. We were able to come together, and and everybody felt really good about that. That we yep. we weren't canceling services. Obviously, we weren't doing things as normal. And nobody would say, although it worked really good, and everybody was, I think, very encouraged by it. It's not ideal. Nobody's going to say, not, let's just do this all the time. No, no, we didn't. It wasn't. But to that, how we're perceived in the community. We had somebody drive by because we're right on the road there, drove by, honked their horn, and gave us a thumbs up for doing it. And we had a visitor from the community who saw that we were doing this and who came to join us. Yeah, so I guess the the takeaway is here, let's not give up easily. Yeah, don't, don't, you know, one of the things I'm worried about, people will treat this, and I'm afraid weak brethren especially, will treat this like a snow day at school. Remember how happy we were when it snowed and we didn't have to go to school. And I'm afraid there are some who are looking for Oh, boy, church. I don't have to go to church. Hey, here's what that's what this is what Dwight said about it. Now, for those who choose to do nothing and don't try to fulfill their worship to God because they think it's a day off, I would ask them to rethink your faith, hope and love in the Lord. So, yeah, this don't look at this. as Oh, we got the Sunday off. We're not we're sleeping into it today. It's not uh, if you if that's your approach. Then you've got some thinking to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, if you're in, if you're in our area here in Middle Tennessee and you need a place to worship Sunday, we're going to be, Lord willing, we're going to be in the parking lot again Sunday with our low power FM transmitter. Uh, I hope Stacy is able to accomplish that. Although he mentions in his email, the, these little items have become hard to find. A lot of a lot of people are jumping on that bandwagon, and uh, the more the merrier, I'd say, uh, uh, among our brethren. If you're able to get an FM transmitter and do that. If you, you want to contact, loud, just do a loud. So you got you got a contact. Yeah, go ahead. yeah. If you want to contact me uh, to get a little more detail about what we did and and how we carried it off, I'd be glad to talk with you. You can call me. How about using a loudspeaker? You're not a large group. Just get a loudspeaker and roll down the windows. Yeah. And you can do it that way. Yeah. But, uh, find a way to meet at all, at, if, if at all possible, for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, don't, don't give up easy. So Sunday at 1030, we won't have Bible study Sunday morning, but at 1030, we'll have our parking lot worship service. And then go to our other YouTube channel that that Kyle administers for us. Our other YouTube channel is College U Live Stream on YouTube. College U Live Stream. You can find that link on our homepage at collegeu.com. We'll have a, a sermon Sunday night at six live streamed. We'll have Bible classes Wednesday night 
uh, at 7 online. Yep. Uh, but uh, we, we will have an in-person first day of the week assembly wherein we observe the Lord's Supper. All right. Kyle, I think that's it. Kyle, it's been a marathon today. Yeah. What do you think? It's good. I think uh, I'm glad that we have this, even if it's a modified service. I think it's a good to, to get to come to church. I think it's to get to come to worship together. So I'll, it's not a vacation. It's not a snow day. We still have the opportunity and the privilege. Let's, let's of, figure Let's make a way to make it happen. That's right. yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Good discussion. Lots of comments in the chat room that have gone by unattended here tonight. Again, we've got two weeks in a row. Next week, we'll just have to be better with our chat room. Next week, we're going to try to do better about getting all of our comments in. We're just flooded with comments and too much to talk about. Yeah. Apologies to everyone. All right. Uh, David will close us out tonight. He says, amen. Finding a way to gather and meet the law is a great goal, great idea on the parking lot service. So David says, let's do both. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, uh, let's comply with the laws and, and meet and figure out a way to make that happen. Exactly so. Dad, thanks for a good discussion. Thanks, Jay. thanks to Eddie and to Jim for taking Very time to Very much be part thanks to it. Eddie Payton in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, Jim Jim uh, Deason in Coleman, Alabama. Uh, good brothers, good faithful brothers, and we appreciate them very much. Got questions or comments you'd like to share with us? Questions at collegeu.com. We may have to take this up again next week. We'll have to if, if, if we get enough comments. If this goes longer, we'll probably be talking about it again. All right, let's pray that it doesn't. Uh, thank you for being a part of the program tonight. I hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.